Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom in their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I'm your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill. We have another outstanding guest today, but of course, I start first with the quote of the day. This one is kind of fun because it's from the movie Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix. And you know, if it has to do with fire, like a phoenix, I'm in. And this one is by Sirius Black. What is life without a little risk? And you're going to know momentarily why I chose that one. Today we have... A very adventurous guest, Doug Lewis. He was born and raised on the slopes of Vermont. He started skiing at age two. In 1984 and 1988, he was a U.S. Olympian competing in the downhill event. He won the bronze medal at the 1985 World Ski Championships, the first ever medal for an American male in downhill. Since 2008, he's been working as an Alpine analyst for NBC Sports, and he owns elite team fitness camps, inspiring young athletes to push their limits. He's married for 27 years now to his wife, Kelly, who is also a World Cup ski racer. How cool. He's a fitness fanatic, now runs ultras, and is also training for a 100-miler his third. So I am really, really excited. Oh, no, no, wait, Doug, before you come on, I have to share another quick thing that I saw about you. Doug also, since retiring, uh, won the longest airtime award during the Legends Downhill, jumping 178 feet in the middle of a race. And he skied through the glades in Killington, shooting an Uzi at another stunt skier for the movie Icebreakers. Okay, so I am an adventure junkie, but I am nowhere near as crazy as you are. So welcome, Doug Lewis. Thank you. I forgot about skiing through the trees with the Uzi. That was definitely risk, uh, taking some risks for sure. It was a, <laughs> a lot of fun to push my limits on that one. I'm sure everything you do is pushing limits, right? So this is awesome. Now, you know, I am going to have a million questions about skiing and, you know, crazy fun things that you do. But do you want to just take a moment and give a little background? Sure. Uh, so my mom was a ski instructor and I we grew up on the slopes, as you said, of Vermont. I had three siblings and uh, she would drop us off and we were the kind of family that we belonged to a ski club where we just terrorized the mountain. We skied in groups, we skied with our friends, we would go through the trees, we'd jump anything. And it was just a wonderful uh, way to grow up uh, chasing and challenging and laughing and being with a bunch of uh, people your age uh, who shared the similar um, interest in just you know, getting outside, pushing your limits. And then when I was eight years old, I fell in love with ski racing. I had that competition bug in me. And if you had asked me as eight years old, what do you want to be? I would have said, I'm going to be an Olympian for the U.S. ski team uh, and really committed to that. And, you know, through that commitment, I've just kept on pushing the limits. What else is out there? As soon as I retired from ski racing, I took up skydiving because I needed that new, uh, challenge. So that's my life, just challenging myself. 
Uh, you know what? I think that's fantastic. I love it. I do it. And I encourage people to do it in their comfort zones, like to expand their comfort zones. Not everybody is going to want to jump out of an airplane or ski 80 miles an hour like you do. But as I, I do believe it's important for everyone to get uncomfortable on a regular basis. And you demonstrate that all the time. So you actually made a living skiing 80 miles an hour. Um, so do people sometimes tell you, you know, that you're brave or, or maybe do they venture into crazy or stupid or like, well, how does this work? What do people think? I, I was trying to figure that out. I get asked the time, are you are you insane, uh, stupid, <laughs> or really, really smart? And um, the, the the quick answer as a downhill skier, if you are crazy, um, you're going to get hurt, and you're not your career is not going to be that long. You're going to be in the hospital, and, and your career is over. I like to think of it as just um, I love to push my limits, but I knew that line. I knew where that line was, and I and I wanted to ride that fine line between control, which was slow, which was and you don't want to be slow in skiing, and catastrophe, which is just over that line. So it takes a lot of practice, but I found that line, and I think uh, to be a downhill, you have to be smart. You have to calculate the risk. Uh, but then there's there's definitely one screw loose. I don't know which screw it is, but there's <laughs> definitely something out there that doesn't make you uh, uh, protect yourself as much as others. <laughs> That's great. Now, I mean, you literally, I mean, you could die doing what you do. Are, are you scared? I mean, have you been seriously hurt? Um, I have been seriously hurt. Um, I In my first World Cup downhill at 17, I was running fourth to last. The cameras were gone. The crowd was gone, but it was my first World Cup. And I uh, came off a jump and caught an edge, which means my ski got caught in the snow and at 60 miles an hour. And the first thing that hit was my head, thank goodness, because it knocked me out. The second thing I hit was a chairlift tower at 60 miles an hour and broke my back. Oh. Uh, and this is this is the mind of a 17-year-old skier. So I got to the hospital and the doctor said, you broke your back. You're not going to ski for a while. And I thought, okay, there's a race next week. I'll probably have to miss that one. But what about two weeks? <laughs> and, and the doctor goes, you're not going to ski for nine months. And then the tears came. I instantly started crying. So at that point in my life, and it does change, but at that point in my life, I was like, I wanted to race the next day. Um, as I grew older, I think it's interesting. I broke my collarbone uh, at the end of my career. And it was tougher to come back from a broken collarbone, which is nothing, than it was from my broken back just because I was a different place in my career. I was a different place in my life. I knew about getting hurt and what it could mean. So I never really um, uh, stopped risking, but it definitely changed the way I looked as I grew, grew up and grew older. It was interesting. Oh, I, I hear you. I definitely do. And for me, I say this all the time, like, I, I don't mind pushing the boundaries for me, risking for me, but I definitely got uh, a little bit calmer after I had kids mm -hmm. because suddenly there was a bigger picture involved, right? Mm -hmm. So after you, like back when you were 17 and you broke your back, what was the, was there a, a mindset thing that you had to go through as well as the physical side? What did you have to do to come back from that? That's a great question. Be I'm, I was, as an athlete, 
um, you have to kind of embrace failure and, and look at it, be upset for a while, but then look at it and say, what, what can I learn? Number one, I, I knew I had to come back stronger. I weighed 135 pounds. I raced my next World Cup a year to the date later in Aspen on the same course, but I weighed 20 pounds more. So I weighed 155 pounds. So that's the change I made physically. But mentally, I learned a lot because I was going 100% into everything, 100% into training runs, 100% um, eating, 100% everything. And I, ha I learned how mentally how to temper my energy level, save that risk for those race days, but then not risk as much when it's not needed. So it was really interesting. I had to change that mindset. But I'll tell you what, standing in the starting gate a year later on the same starting gate of the same course that took me out a year later, it was definitely a moment where I had to take some deep breaths, really think about my goals and why I was there and think about my confidence because to push out of that gate was pretty scary. Oh, I bet it really was. Now, do you happen to have any tips on how to help people with confidence? Because I get asked that all the time. Yeah, I, I think one big, there's lots of tips, um, and we can talk about goals later because I really believe in goals, but I think it's really important, and this is what I do when I coach the kids, is to find the right challenge. If you go from zero to jumping off the Hanenkam as a ski racer, it's not going to work. You have to find that perfect challenge just, just outside your comfort zone, just pushes you enough, just gets that heart rate going, just gets you that nervous smile. And, and that takes just enough effort to push out of your comfort zone. Then you're going to have a success and then you're going to just build the next one, which is a little farther. The opposite of that, and you have to be very careful about it, is setting your goals too, too small or being safe and getting that participation medal kind of thing. That does nothing as well. So I see a lot of coaches push way too hard on kids and then way too little. A good coach and a good person who knows themselves knows where that that line is that I talked about and can just set it outside your comfort zone. And then you start getting confidence and it's a it's a snowball. I love that <laughs> you threw in your snowball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> no. When you're a, a young athlete, it, you know, I, I'm always amazed at when people, you know, retire early, right? So mm. you didn't retire at this age, but you left the ski team. What was it? You were 25. It, yeah, that's quite young by most people's standards, right? But so now it, it probably felt like you had to start all over again. What did that feel like? And, and you know, what was that process like? Uh, that retiring from ski racing was the hardest thing I think I've done in my life. It was just, it hit me a lot harder they a lot of people talk about it as um, losing someone. I lost my identity. Someone died, that person who was there before. And so you have to mourn them a little bit. It was really tough. I doubted myself. I didn't know that I had the skills that I had. And so I was lost for a little bit. I was like, I, where do I go? Where do I start? And then I talked to some people and the U.S. Olympic Committee had a little bit of a um, a booklet and you started to know like, oh, I know how to manage time. I know how to set goals. I know how to work really hard. All of a sudden I started learning that I wasn't 
going to have to start from the bottom bottom, but I had these skills that I could transfer, but it was a really tough transition. And I went to school. Um, I was that 26 year old guy with a backpack running the class because <laughs> there was no way I was not going to get straight A's being a competitive person. So it was tougher than I thought, but I really had to just number one, figure out what skills I had, have some confidence in those skills, but just take baby steps again and start pushing that limit slower and slower into the next line of whatever I was going to do. Yeah. You know, I think that's really good advice for anyone going through any type of transition. Um, a lot of times people come to me uh, have after having lost a job, let's say, that maybe they had for 40 years. So it's a completely different place in their lives. But they feel this complete loss of identity, just mm. like you did. And your idea and what you did to help you through it is to look for the skills that are translatable is a really, it's really good advice for anyone out there that's going through a transition. I happen to have a lot of clients that have athletic backgrounds, and it's because they have a mentality of A, being willing to push, um, knowing how to set goals, visualization. So all the stuff that I talk about, they already intrinsically own, right? And so I think that definitely helped you. But I think everyone has skills that are transferable to something completely different. So that's excellent advice. Thank you. Now you have a really cool company is called Elite Team, and it's all about ins inspiring young athletes. So I would love for you to spend a little time talking about, you know, why you started it and how it works and what some tips are that you give to your to the people that work with you, anything like that. Yeah, well, the the way it happened is uh, there I was. Um, when you pursue a goal like being in Olympics and, and pushing yourself in sports, um, there's a lot to learn and you're continually learning, learning, pushing and as you grow older. And it's funny, I finally kind of figured it all out and then I retired. It was, <laughs> that's the way it happens. And so uh, there I was at 25 years old and I had all this knowledge and I wanted to pass it along. I wanted to give it to the next generation so they could help save them a little time and effort. So if you look at me, I'm 5'8". Um, I'm not this massive athletic uh, Adonis, um, but I was still a two-time Olympian and a bronze medalist. And so what I figured out is, sure, skiing is one part of it, important part of it, but you have to be a complete athlete. So I wanted to pass that along to the next generation that it's just not about the skiing. You got to be physically fit, and that's including strength and agility and mobility and cardio, so that whole sports physiology side. Then there's the most important part, the sports psychology. What goes on in your head, the goal setting, the focus, how to handle distractions, breathing. Uh, that part about it is actually the most important. And then the third part of our elite team philosophy is sports nutrition. When I was racing in the 80s, we ate crap. It was terrible. <laughs> and it's so important. So elite team was born in passing along the knowledge of sports physiology, sports psychology, and sports nutrition to these young athletes. Um, and so that's how it started. Um we teach them all those through hands-on experiences, whether it's an obstacle course or, you know, jumping off a, a ropes course, trapeze, whatever all that stuff is, they do it, they have fun, but they're actually learning something. And when you boil it down to what we do is, is we build confidence. We, uh, we 
teach these kids to set goals, work hard, and push their limits as a complete athlete, and it somehow works. And we've been doing it 29 years. It's pretty exciting. That is fantastic. I, I think it is so important to be able to share wisdom, skills, experience with the younger generation and to understand that they have a lot to teach us along the way as well. But yes. it, it's really, really important now more than ever to be collaborating in that way. So I'm, I'm definitely going to make sure to add a link to Elite Team to the show notes so that people can find out more about that. Now, are you just located by where you are? Do you have other locations? How? Where is that? Um, we run the 90% of our camps uh, in uh, Vermont. I mm. rent the Green Mountain Valley School, which is a ski academy. So we have their campus, but we've done camps uh, all over the New England in Park City, where I'm located now. So we travel around and, and do it as well, but the primarily in Vermont. I just wanted to go back to one thing because I uh, was reading up on you and you talked about this trapeze jump. Um, uh, yeah. There is no better feeling as a coach at Elite Team. Um, and we have this thing way up in the air and you have to jump off and try to catch this it's kind of like a trapeze but it's different and to see a to see a young athlete make the commitment to do it but then get scared up there and, and see that transformation as you experience that transformation from doubt to let's do this to success and to jump is is an amazing and that's why I do it. So I loved hearing your experience and that's what we try to give to those kids. It's it's a whole lifetime of an experience in in 10 seconds when you jump right. off. It is so amazing. And and that's my favorite part, too, because I use the trapeze as like a graduation ceremony to an eight week breaking through fear. Uh, workshop that I do and to see them you're right it's watching them is just as exciting for me as when I went back and did it think about the first time I did it for myself seeing it on their faces and like the mm. the uh, glee that comes out of their mouth after they finish it's like awesome so I'm I'm so glad to hear that you use that as well and that you you um, those students that you work with must just absolutely love it, I'm sure. Now, I know that goal setting is very important to you. You believe in it. I run into a lot of people who set goals but don't reach them. So do you have any secrets to achieving the goals? Yeah, I, I believe in this pretty strongly. And, and you're not always going to achieve my goal. I never won the Olympic gold. Uh, I won a world championship bronze. So I don't know who ever ends their life achieving all their goals. But the the key to me is to to set that goal and have that dream goal that one that that north star that points you in the direction whether it's the US ski team whether it's a certain job whether it's being in top physical shape whatever but it's got to be really high and then you step backwards and work those smaller goals but the key uh, and I explain this a lot to the kids. The key is committing to it. A lot of people have dreams. A lot of people say they want to be on the ski team, but to commitment. The, and I describe it as something in your belly. You can feel it, that nervous feeling in your belly where it, it matters so much. And once you commit 100%, once you commit, everything becomes easy. Should I eat the donut or make a salad? The decision's made for you because you've committed to that goal. And so I try to explain that to these kids that 
commit. Let's really commit. And then your decision making is done for you. you. Your path is clearer because you know what you need to do because that's your goal and you, that's what you want to get. Oh, you know what? That's fantastic because I believe in, you know, you really have to commit because mm. then you're going to take the actions when it's hard, mm. you know, when it's raining, when it's, yes. it, you know, when somebody else doesn't show up, you still have to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I believe in that. But what you what you brought up, uh, I hadn't really verbalized to my clients. So I'm really excited that you're sharing it here yeah. is that it actually makes your decision process easier. Yep. That one decision of committing is makes every other decision after it infinitely easier. I love yeah. that. And I talk to kids a lot about drug abuse and everything. And you have, you know, if you want to be that volleyball star on your high school team or whatever it is, and someone comes up to you with some drugs or some something bad, it's an easy out. You don't have to be embarrassed. You know what? I'm going to be on the volleyball varsity team. I'm not doing it. And, and you can walk away easy rather than, ooh, how do I make this decision? That's fantastic. Yeah, because it does apply across the board in all of our life choices. Yes. So that's that's great. Okay, now you made you know, most of the decisions you've made so far, I'm on board with. <laughs> but I don't know, this next one that I'm going to ask you about. So I run only because it's the most efficient way of working out for me. Nice. Not because I have learned to enjoy it. So I'm personally looking forward to some... Uh, some words of wisdom from you on this one. So you're an ultra runner. And so you just completed, what is it, your second 100 miler? 100 yes. miles? Why? Why would you do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask me that. Sometimes I ask myself that. Um, I, I, I like to go into dark places that I don't know if I can get out. And the other way to think about that is it's just a huge goal. It's, it's a it's a question. Can I make it? And you will go through a lot of dark places in 24 hours, which is usually what it takes. It took me 26 and 27 on mine, but you're going to go through some dark places. And those are the times where you really learn about yourself. You have to remember your mantras. You have to remember why you do it. You have to think about gratitude. You have to dig your way out of these spots. And I find that very fun for some reason. <laughs> and, um, and I've also learned, you know, with these baby steps is that you're always going to feel better. You may feel terrible now. You may have this worse stomach and you're cramping, but just keep putting that foot in front of the other. Keep it, you know, get it to that next tree, get it that next half mile and things will turn around and they always do turn around. But that's hard to know. You really got to believe that they will. So. Uh, it's just my latest craziness. Uh, I really am. I, I wouldn't call myself an ultra runner. I'm a beginner learner. I'm at that stage where I read about everything and I have heroes again. And these are these ultra runners. So I'm really in that stage where it's really exciting and, and I love challenging myself. Yeah, my next third one is in um, August and it'll be tough, but I'm, it gives me a, it's again, it's that North Star. It gives me something to, to get up for every day. I love that. And I think that that's important for people to, once they have accomplished certain goals, is to continue to setting the, those stretch goals so yeah. that you have that excitement mm. throughout your days and your years, right? I mean, you see a lot of complacency out there. And that's that's not um, that's not going to get you where you want to go. <laughs> I'll just say that. 
Now, yeah. for someone who doesn't mind going to the dark places and has done a lot of amazing things, this might be a little bit harder to come up with. But has there been a time where you were really, you know, afraid or, or just you weren't sure that you were going to be able to pull through? And what did you use to do so? Is there a fearful or challenging time that you might be able to share with somebody? Hmm. I think it, uh, you're making me really think. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I, this is pretty personal, but I mean, going through the process, I lost one parent and I'm, I'm losing another, both to dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, I think it's comparable. It's just a challenge. And two things, I had to look deep inside myself to think about, can I commit to helping them and, and what's it going to take and give up some of my life. But the thing I learned most that I have not talked about is team and leaning on my brothers and sisters and my wife and friends and really being vulnerable that I don't know how to do this. This is something that's out of my, really out of, com out of my comfort zone. And I had to pull in and trust and open myself to a team to get through it. And I, I guess that answers your question, but it's it's yeah, okay. pretty emotional that you that I haven't talked about team, but it's so important to surround yourself with people that you can trust and they'll pick you up. You know, I I am very honored that you shared that story with me because um, it resonates with me um, personally. My my father had Alzheimer's, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and and also as someone who hasn't it hasn't always come easily for me as a competitive person to ask for help so mm -hmm. that's been one of my biggest issues as well so i love hearing you talk about that process and how that's one of the scariest things that you've done is to to recognize that yes you you will need to get a little vulnerable you will need to ask for help you do appreciate the team effort that's involved in it and I think that is a great learning that everyone listening will be able to take away. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you. Do you still ski now? Um, I live in Park City, Utah. Okay, so the answer would be the, weird was, if you didn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> I moved, my wife and I moved here uh, because this is one of the places where we could, you know, uh, ski as much as possible. I'd ski every day if I could. I'm probably going out this afternoon because it's snowing here and it's going to be great powder. But it's still an important part of my life. I love to ski. And when I talk to kids about, you know, pursuing their goals, that's it's not the kind of skis you have or where you grew up. It's the love of the sport or the love of whatever you do. And so I just love skiing. Uh, it's a little bit crazy, but uh, I get to ski as much as possible. And it's pretty awesome. That's a gift. And I think that people, um, if there's another takeaway, there's so many so far, <laughs> if they could take away to keep coming back to those joyful things that make you have a little giggle, like, yes, I heard it slip out of your mouth. I, I can't see you, but I heard the joy in your voice. So I think that everybody should do something joyful like that as often as humanly possible. What motivates you right now? Um... 
in business, I think it's it's trying to uh, get a lead team out to as many people as possible. And uh, our business has been always camps. We do camps, overnight camps. So it's 24 hours a day. The kids are not allowed cell phones. It's They let go of their parents. And it's really intense camps that uh, have made a big difference. But we can only hit uh, 200 kids a year. So uh, my wife and I are... are committed to making an online program, perhaps an app, but ways to hit more kids with Elite Team. Uh, so that's a challenge and, and a motivation right now. Um, still the physical fitness part. I, I hope to be running ultras or I may move on to ultras and you know, to whatever my next goal is, but still the physical fitness is so important. Um, I work out with a group of people from 530 to 7 every morning and uh, it gets me out of bed. It's part of that team, but it's part of that just feel good. God, if you can do something, whether it's a 10 minute walk or a 90 minute workout every morning, you're you're already a winner. And how great is it to start out your day as a winner every day just because you you got your butt out of bed and, and sweat a little bit. I love it. That's fantastic. Now, you know, I'd like to, I, like I said, I'm going to put the, the website into the show notes, but if you want to share the website or any other thing going on or, or any other way that you'd like for people to reach you, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, Elite Team spelled very weird. Uh, we thought it was cool earlier. So it's <laughs> E-L-I-T-E-A-M. So it looks like Eli Team or Elite A-M, um, but the T and the E are shared. So E-L-I-T-E-A-M.com. You can see a video, I think, uh, on our homepage that really um, shows you what we do with the kids. Um, and you can get a hold of me through there, um, my bio and my resume and some fun videos are on there of me skiing as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Um, we sell out every year. Uh, our camps are in Vermont this year in June, late June and July. So if you have, uh, any interest, contact me. And one important thing is because I'm a skier, a lot of skiers come to this, but it's a dry land camp and focusing on sports physiology, sports psychology, and nutrition. So you don't have to be a skier. We don't ski. We jump and skip and dance and jump off things. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, and it, that's awesome. So I, I'm literally thinking of how I can get my boys up there. And so <laughs> I, we're going to keep talking. Great. And, you know, and I actually, if you, I want to encourage you to continue with that path of um, maybe online courses, because what you're talking about and the motivation and the skills that you provide for these students is very worthwhile. So I, I want to encourage you to get it out there to as many people as possible. So do you have any final words of wisdom, Doug? I just think uh, it's so fun to make that decision to push your limits. I, I totally believe in your message. Uh, the more we can get people to just step outside, jump outside, uh, ski outside their comfort zone, it's amazing. And one thing I do, I ski with a lot of people, uh, whether it's corporate groups or families, um, and they get they're like, oh, I'm skiing with an Olympian, and the fastest I've ever gone is 97 miles on skis, and. The thing is, and especially with skiing, is when I go 98 miles an hour, which I don't anymore, but when I go that little bit 
out of my comfort zone on skis, which I still do, I get this awesome feeling in my tummy. <laughs> and if you, if I'm skiing with you and your limit is 25 miles an hour and you go 26, you experience that same feeling. And that's the great thing about skiing. It's the great thing about jumping out of your comfort zone. We can share that experience of like, oh my God, I almost fell backwards in my chair and it's the best thing ever. So <laughs> continually push your limits is the, is the message. It's fun. I love it. Thank you so much, Doug. This has been so much fun for me. And I know that our listeners have gotten a great deal out of it. So thank you again. And everyone have a beautiful day. 